Thanks for listening to our Legacy Church podcast. We hope that today's message helps you in your walk with Christ and you visit us soon at our Legacy Church campus in East Greenwich, Rhode Island. For more information, visit us online at www.legacychurchri.com. So I want to teach today about what happens when we die. What happens to us when we die? You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 9.10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Having a respect for life after death, having a respect for the whole concept of God. Is God real? Is the story of the gospel real? Is the Bible real? It's wisdom. Because it's absolutely insane to go through life, which is a small period of time, and not have any clue or not have any thought as to what happens when you and I leave the earth. And so the Bible says, get wisdom, get wisdom. So we're going to get some wisdom today about this whole subject of life after death. And, uh, and if you missed the first part of this series, I encourage you to go to our website, Legacy Church RI, or get connected with social media and listen to the podcast. I want to encourage you to listen to our podcast weekly. Find the time during the week where we put our worship on there, we put the word on there, we record and get God's word inside of you. Because the Bible renews your mind. The word of God washes and scrubs all the wrong stuff that's in your head. And breaks down strongholds and fears. And gives you truth. And truth sets you free. And let me say this. Sunday morning is not enough. Get yourself a Bible. Spend time reading the Bible. Over my years as a believer, when, I, when people say, oh, I'm not being fed. What does that mean? What does that mean? Jesus died for your sins. You know what I mean? Get some time alone with the Bible. Spend some time worshiping. You know, don't expect to be fed when you're 10, 20 years old, 30 years old. You need to feed yourself. Amen? Feed yourself. But if you really want to know the truth about life after death, you need to go to a reliable source. You don't go ask Uncle Harry... What happens after you die? You don't listen to the view and try to figure out what happens after you die. You know, they say this happens after you die. I, I like Oprah, but she doesn't know either. Right? Come on. And then you watch these documentaries on PBS, and you have these so-called experts that have theories. Theories. We don't need a theory. We need the truth. And there's one source, a reliable source. If you want to know about the subject of what happens when you die, you go to the reliable source, and that reliable source is called the Bible, the Word of God. Amen? And this reliable source has always been proven accurate. They've tried to say the Bible is just a book, but just the opposite happens. The older society gets... The greater the evidence is that, oh my goodness, another archaeological discovery that proves that the Bible is true. You know, every year, you, every couple of years, something major comes out, and they say, oh my goodness, the Bible says that. Archaeology, science, you know, the whole essence of, 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 of the Big Bang Theory, that's a fairly new theory. 
Well, that's how the Bible says it. God spoke the world into existence. The Bible is true. You want to know anything about anything, you go to the source that gives you the truth. You want to know about how to have good families? Someone asked me last night, hey, Pastor Ron, you know, you have three great kids. How'd you do that? You know, my first response was, I have no clue. <laughs> but then my second response was, I think we, we try to live by the Bible as best we can. You know, any topic, finances, business, go to the Bible. So the Bible has always been proven true. And the Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 3, 2 Peter 3, 3, it says, Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. And I think about this and say, we are in the last days. People will scoff the Bible. People will scoff the Word of God. People will scoff you as a believer. And then they elevate these crazy people from Hollywood. They elevate what the person on the view says as though it's the gospel. We are living in insane times, people. But the Bible is reliable. You want to know what happens after death? Let's go to the source, the Bible. You know, the bottom line, when it comes to life after death, the ultimate authority, the legitimacy that there is life after death is all encapsulated in what Jesus did in fulfilling all the prophecies that was spoken about his coming and that spoke about his death and resurrection. Before he appeared on the earth, Jesus fulfilled, against all probability, against all odds, Jesus fulfilled the word of God. But then, beyond that, he spoke himself. And he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You want to get to the Father? Where's the Father? Up in heaven. You've got to come through me. It would have ended there if it wasn't substantiated and evidenced by his resurrection. His resurrection, Jesus' resurrection, was the ultimate authority, the ultimate declaration that there is life after death. That is good news. Amen? We're here and amen. The Bible says in Acts 1-3, after his suffering, Jesus, he presented himself to them and he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and he spoke about the kingdom of God. 40 days after Jesus resurrected, he appeared and he spoke to people about eternal things. Paul, the Apostle Paul, who killed Christians. He killed Christians. He was a religious zealot who was involved even, even in the martyrdom of the first martyr, Stephen. Paul was there because he was a zealot because Christianity and this cult, this cult that, that was filled with followers of Jesus Christ was a threat to everything that they knew as Jews was a threat to every religious system. We, we sang today, tear down the religious systems. Jesus tore down the religious systems. So here's Paul fighting to keep everything he knew to be true 
But it wasn't true. Jesus defied what a lot of the belief systems and the hypocrisy, and he defied the, 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 uh, the demonic powers that even existed among religious leaders. And he says this, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve, and then after that he appeared to more than 500 of his brothers and sisters at the same time. You ever know that? At the same time, he appeared to over 500, most of whom are still living. So basically he's saying, don't trust me, go ask them. These people are still alive. They'll tell you Jesus appeared to them. Though some have fallen asleep, then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, the one who was killing Christians, as to one abnormally born. Basically saying, I wasn't worthy of him appearing to me. I was crucifying him over and over again. I was killing those that followed him, but he appeared to me, Paul. And then Paul goes on to say, in Corinthians 15, 29 through 31, now, if there's, now he's speaking to the Corinthian church. He says, listen, if there's no resurrection, if there's no life after death, what will those do who are baptized for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all. So what was happening then is the church, the Corinthian church was... Christians, obviously, because they had received the gospel. But at the same time, their belief systems were, was intermingled with heathen belief systems and different religious belief systems. So what they would do is they would stand in proxy. If someone had died and they thought, oh, my goodness, this person, we don't know where this person will go. They had someone stand in proxy and be baptized for that person, even though they were dead. Now, this is contrary to scriptural teaching. The, the Mormons do this, but it's contrary to the teachings of Christ. And so he says, as for us, it, it said, if, if the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized for them? If you're having people being baptized because you're afraid of where a person's going, obviously then you must believe that there's life after death. And as for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? I face death every day. Yes, just as surely as I boast about you in Christ Jesus. What he's saying is, why would I risk my life if this is the end all? You know, every single apostle died a martyr's death except for John the Beloved, and he was, he was burned in oil and sent to the island of Patmos. But if Paul were here today, he would probably be, be saying to us, so let me ask you, um, why do you go to church, like, just on Christmas and Easter? I think this, is that a superstition, or do you think there's possibly more, and you're trying to set up an insurance policy just in case, let me go to church on Easter and Christmas? Let us not have a faith that is so weak that we do religious things. Come on. But that's, I think that's what Paul would, would say to us. Or you're in the hospital and they're giving you a negative report and now you want people to come pray for you? 
I wonder why. Is there something inside of you kind of starting to tell you that, huh, it might be a place after this world. You should start thinking about it. You should start considering it. See, the Bible says that every person knows there's life after death. Every person knows there's life after death. Romans 1, 18 through 20. Because that which is known about God, the Bible says, is evident within them. Within us. For God made it evident to them. No one... Let me continue to read this. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made. So they are without excuse... No one's going to stand before God and say, I didn't know. How do I know that? I go to the authority. The Bible. The Bible says that. And the Bible is written by the Holy Spirit. The Bible is a book given to us by God. And Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, He has also set eternity in the heart of man. Eternity is in our hearts. We know that we know that we know. That there is life after death. There is God. You can't go through life not seeing God. Creation speaks of the existence of God. Take a look at a fish tank with all these fish, these colorful fish. I tell you, it amazes me. I just stand there and look and say, I, I wonder which angel painted this fish. Look at this fish. Look at the perfect light. Look at the... Look at the mouth on this fish. And I say, God has a sense of humor. Creation speaks of the existence of God. Your conscience. Kids have a conscience. They're little kids. Before they're even told what's right and what's wrong, inside of them, they know. They get that look. They're hiding something. They're stealing the chocolate. Check Check your pocketbook, honey. I think one of our kids stole the chocolate. They know, conscience. And then what people call, wow, that was an amazing coincidence. Amazing coincidence. There's no coincidences in life. God is always reaching, trying to reach you. You can't through, go through life without seeing God. Proverbs 8, 17 says, I love those who love me. And listen, those who seek me, find me. Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. I remember when I was grappling with the whole essence of God and reading my Bible and and the Holy Spirit was working on me. And, and, and I remember reading, and, and I wanted to know more about God, know more about Jesus. I knew he was real. He, he, you know, I had a powerful experience that, that he showed himself to me in a dream. But I didn't know what to do from there. And I remember sitting reading, and I was like, now, what do I do now? There, were no one, there was no one in my life that preached the gospel to me. Really, I didn't know any born-again Christians. I didn't know any people that went to crazy churches like this. 
And I said, God, what do I do now? And I looked back, and what God did was he brought a stranger to me at the mall to hand me a track. I told the story many times. It was because I asked. I asked God, what do I do now? And he sent the person to me. It wasn't a coincidence. It was because I asked. And that's why I tell people, and there's some people in, in this room today that, that, that did not believe when they first came here. And I would say to them, hey, you know, I respect your opinion. You know, no one's going to stuff God down your throat. But I would suggest, why don't you ask him? If he's real, why don't you just ask? Is Jesus real? Is the Bible real? Why don't you take a few minutes and open the New Testament and read the words of Jesus? See if something doesn't bear witness in your spirit. Ask and you will find. Seek, knock, and you will find the Lord. Because I believe that to not see God, you absolutely have to reject him. You have to say, no, no, no. John 3.19 says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. But God always is reaching out. Doesn't mean we won't reject them, but always reaching out. But I want to give us three points today to understand death and to, to really, before you can understand death, you have to understand life. And three points to life. Number one, you as a human being are different than any other form of life. You're different. You are not a squid. I don't care what the Chinese calendar says. How many of you go to a restaurant and say, you know, I'm a dog. I'm a dog. My wife's a dragon. Now, according to the Chinese ca calendar, we are complete opposites, which means we're supposed to not like each other. So I said, Lori, I don't think this calendar is too correct because we've been together for, what, 35 years, 40 years? And so, but you are not a dog. You know, do all, dogs go to heaven? I don't know. But I can tell you something. You're not a dog, all right? You're a human being. And you're different than any other form of life. Number one, or A, a human life is a gift from God. You are a gift from God. I don't care what you think of yourself. I was speaking to someone yesterday who was a drug addict for years, who squandered literally millions of dollars on addiction, who, who destroyed relationships and hurt family members and did all the wrong things because of this addiction that gripped him. And, um, and we're talking because his life has been changed over the last two years. God has worked and done a miracle in his life. And he's saying, to, I can't believe what God has done. I can't believe what God has done. Because many times addictions are not only spiritual and emotional. They're physical. There's physiological problems with the brain. And, 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 and doctors will even say that it's almost like you have a disease and the brain is locked. And the person might want to get set free but can't. Their brain won't allow them. And we're saying and we're celebrating saying, God has done a miracle. God has done a miracle. I can't believe it. God has done a miracle. And, and every person is a gift from God. Even if you fail and fall and you're far from God, you're still a gift. 
You're still a child of God. The Bible says children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from Him. Secondly, a human is created in God's image. The label around your neck is made in heaven. Thank God it's not made in China. <laughs> made in heaven. Genesis 1.27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. Get this. In the image of God, we are created. Male and female, he has created them. The authority as to who we are is not the view. It's not your Uncle Harry. It's not your best friend. It's not your mother, your sister, your brother. It's the authority of God's word. He's created them in his image. And then lastly, a human is the only trichotomy spirit being. That word trichotomy means three parts. You are body, soul, and spirit. Now listen, you are a created spirit with a soul, which is your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions that has been placed in an earthly body. You are a created spirit created by God that has been placed in a human body. The Bible calls it a tent been placed in a human body with a free will. You've been given a free will until you pass on into eternity. That's who you are. Genesis 2-7. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. See, the world would say many, many contrary things to God's word. But the authority is the Bible. The authority is the Word of God. The world will say, you're just a mass of cells. That's all you are. You're just a bunch of cells. You are matter. You are protoplasm. You are just like the dead turkey that you drove by roadkill on the highway. That's who you are. You're no different than anything else. You're done. You're kaput. Somehow you got here by chance. That's not what the authority of God's Word says. You're a human life different than any other life. Number two, the Bible says that you are individually known. This is so powerful. God knows you. He knows you by name. He knows the hairs on your head. He knows you. Just that revelation alone. God knows me? Yes. Not only does he know you, he thinks about you. He thinks about you specifically. He thinks about you. You're not just an energy force passing through time. You know. You're not just a piece of dust. You know when the sun comes in through the window and you see dust in the room? You know, you don't look at the dust and say, hey, I think that's Auntie Mabel right there. You know, <laughs> passing through the room. You know, or you're digging up. You know, a hole and you see a worm. Oh, better move that worm because that might be Uncle Harry. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say that. Because the Bible says in Jeremiah 1.5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. The Bible says that we are God's handiwork in Ephesians 2.10. And the Bible says in Psalm 139.14, 
that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God works on you with such thought, with such concern. He's worried about you. He has to make you in this specific person that he needs to fulfill his ultimate plan on the earth and for eternity. He thinks about you. And he thinks well about you. In Jeremiah 12, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Yet so many people blame God for everything. When the Bible, the authority says, God has no plans of harm towards you. Only good. And number three, we're talk, talking about points of life, important points of life. Number three, your body, the tent, dies. Your body, your tent, will die and go into the ground. But your spirit lives on forever and ever. And your spirit, the authority says, will go to one or two places. Paradise, heaven, or a place absent of God called hell. The Bible never ever talks about purgatory. There's no such thing as purgatory. That is a, um, a doctrine that came from a book, Book of Maccabees, which was a book that was not accepted as canonized scripture. It did not meet the grade of a book that was inspired by the Holy Spirit, so was not included in the Bible as we know it. But there's no such middle ground. Luke 23, 39 through 42, you know the story. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at Jesus during the crucifixion. And he hurled insults, and he says, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him Says, don't you fear God? Said, since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly for what we are getting, what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. He said, Jesus, turns to Jesus, says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you today, say today. You will be with me in paradise. There's no such thing as just kind of falling asleep and being asleep. Today you'll be with me in paradise. 2 Corinthians 5.8 To be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. Hebrews 9.27 Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. You don't go into a sleep phase. You don't go into a reincarnation state or any other state. The Bible says to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. And death is, is a temporary separation from your body as you know it. See, your body is corruptible. It gets sick. You don't take a shower. It stinks. But your spirit lives on. A body can be burned in an accident, true? That's why people sometimes ask, um, you know, is it okay to be cremated you know, versus being buried. I don't think it makes a difference because your body's going to dissipate anyway, right? 
And the Bible doesn't really talk about that, even though tradition was people were buried. But your spirit lives on, your body goes into the ground. The Bible also says that when Jesus returns, you, your spirit, and your soul, your mind, will, and emotions, you, in that entity form, will be given a new body, a glorified body. Now, let me just end by saying this, because I know you're waiting for this. Hell is a real place. People will say, and religions will say, and even Christian, different Christian sects will say, there's no such thing as hell. It's figurative. Well, that's not what the Bible says, and that's not what Jesus said. Jesus talked about hell. He talked about money and hell uh, more than any other topic. So we have to look at the scripture and say, what does the authority say? And there is a place of hell. Revelations 12, 7 through 9, it says, The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. And then it says in Matthew 25, 41, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. But let me also say this. God doesn't send people to hell. He can't. God is love. God is mercy. In 2 Peter 3.9 it says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, this is God. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So why do people always place the blame on God? For suffering, for injustice, if you're going to blame anyone, blame the devil. If you're going to blame anything, blame sin. But don't blame God. Because God has never, ever sent anyone to hell. And he's given us a gift. It's called the free will. And free will is a gift given to us by God that allows us the freedom, listen, the freedom to choose our own destiny. That is perfect love. God's perfect love. God has given us the freedom to choose our own destiny. Like free will is this. How many have seen those little robots that, that vacuum the floors, right? Now that robot that's vacuuming the floor, kind of that's what it does. That's expected to do. But let me tell you something. You'd be thrilled, especially women, if your husband is vacuuming the floors. Because he's doing it by his own free will, right? Free will is a gift. So hell was never about God rejecting us. It was about us rejecting God. See, if I invite you to my house time after time, invitation after invitation, and I want you to come to my house, and you say, I don't like you, I don't want you, I don't care how many times you invite me. I am not coming to your house. Is the onus on me or the onus on you? Think about that. Think about that. Because God cries. He grieves. He feels hurt. The Bible talks about the Lord weeping, looking over Jerusalem and weeping. And he looks over Jerusalem and he, and he says, I've sent you so many signs. I've sent you the prophets. They've come to you. 
And, and the prophets grieved and they cried out, turn from your wicked ways. Come to a loving father. Come to the house of God. Come, he's inviting you. Come, come, come. And not only have you rejected him, but you killed him. Nothing has changed, people. We still reject the message of God. God doesn't reject us. We reject him. And what has he ever done wrong? What has God done wrong? Even think from the beginning of time. Think about Lucifer. He creates Lucifer as a beautiful, powerful being. The Bible says he was, he was magnificent. He was like uh, music incarnate. And he led, theologians believe he led the, the choirs in heaven. He had everything going for him, but yet pride entered his spirit and he rejected God. Adam and Eve, the same thing. God wants to be their friend. He creates a garden for them, gives them everything. Just don't do this one thing, right? And what happens? Selfishness and disobedience enter their spirit. Did God do anything wrong? No. They rejected him. Rejected him. And then we see Jesus. Jesus comes. And Jesus comes as a lover, a healer, a miracle worker, someone who would die for our sins. And yet, what did mankind do? Not everybody, thank the Lord, rejected him and crucified him. And yet, even in that, the Lord looks down and he says, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. So hell was created for the devil and his angels. But you'll read in the book of Isaiah, I don't have time to go into it, but it, it talks about um, hell enlarged itself. Hell enlarged itself because people rejected God. And that's the only place that a person could end in if they reject God because you can't get to heaven rejecting Christ. Amen. Hi, everyone. This is Pastor Ron. I pray the Holy Spirit has blessed you as you listen to this podcast. My prayer is that you know for certain your eternal destiny in Christ and that you also know that God loves you eternally. God is never against you, but is always for you. And his heart's desire is to always draw closer to us and to bless our lives. I want to invite you to join us this Sunday at Legacy Church as we continue the next part of this series that we will call You Were Made for Heaven. Yes, there is a hell, but as a believer in Jesus, we have heaven to look forward to. But while on earth, you can get a taste of heaven. And this Sunday, we'll be talking about that. If you can't make it to church, make sure you catch next week's podcast. God bless you, and I hope to see you soon. Thanks for listening today. We pray you are blessed by our Legacy Church podcast and hope to see you soon at our church service in East Greenwich, Rhode Island. You can connect with us on any social media platform at Legacy Church RI. Have a blessed week. Oh, 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 o